0: Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it!
1: This is Top Flight Tune Machine. I am Andy Hotbody Dawson. Pow, pow, pow.
0: I'm Sam Lester Delaney, so what?
1: Uh, Yeah, welcome along. It's uh, Tune Machine and we're looking at the uh, 19th of uh, November 1978 chart. Um yes Christmas was coming and the charts were full of uh things from Greece the film which is easily 1978's biggest thing I didn't go to see Greece when it came out because I was too little. Mm. Um I was too young uh, but what I did get for Christmas 1978 was an amazing uh book of the film but it was all stills from the film with speech oh. bubbles yeah. so it oh, was like you were watching the film. Yeah and um, I, I I devoured that because obviously everyone was into Greece I mean mm. you probably were a little bit too young, oh, too been, young. Like, I
0: was three yeah
1: yeah but everything was Greece 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 yeah I'm pretty and sure I my dev-
0: brother Cass went to see it like seven times at the cinema yeah
1: probably yeah it was yeah. on for months and months and months at the cinema and, um, yeah, I devoured this book and it felt as if I'd seen the film because I'd seen so many clips from the videos of the songs and everything. It was almost like you knew it would buy osmosis without even going to see the film. And I had this, this like a graphic novel, but in photograph form. And I looked and they're on eBay and they're about 50 quid now. Mm. They're still on there. I am not going to get one. I'll just uh, say that now.
0: The thing about Grease is, right, it's a fucking banger of a film. It's yeah. on the best films ever. It's certainly one of the best musicals ever. And when, yeah. you, when you think, oh, it was this phenomenon, it's like, yeah, I don't remember that because I was three. But there is no part of me that thinks, oh, that's weird. It must have been a certain time. Of course it was a phenomenon. And still now, if you released the film today and no one had seen it before and it was exactly the same, the styling, the music, everything, it's just everything mm. about it is like fucking catnip. Do you know what I mean? It's brilliant. Every, yeah. every yeah. performance is hilarious. The acting is brilliant. The styling is like beguiling the songs Mm. are fucking knockout right Mm -hmm. i think probably the best thing about it though if you think like they had the songs right they had the setting there's something about that kind of late 50s i don't know when it's set i guess late 50s or maybe 1960 or whatever right that kind of americana look is like, it's timeless and it's one of the few looks that everyone fucking loves <laughs> regardless it's, throughout it's time. It's
1: post-war, post-World War II boom time, isn't it? Leather jackets, teenagers
0: yeah, bobby yeah. socks, all of that Rock stuff. And roll. Fucking superb, just like America and when you were probably a little bit starving now, American culture, British culture is all that is, every, all culture's been globalised um, but thanks the shadowy forces of world economic control Right. <laughs> but um but the but like you know that kind of americano like to british kids or kids all over the world was so like seductive and but I think really because it was I think it had been a stage musical right before it got adapted to film because I th- I think that yeah. the the guy who plays um Kaniki actually played Danny Zuko on stage. I think that's right, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And it really did him in because he ended up um not very well, let's just say, right. and, and he didn't live his life to, to the best. He didn't refuel himself all that well, as this is right. about Paul Gascoigne, yeah. Um because he was he was knocked out of the main role. Yeah, yeah I mean, that Jeff would have Conway, been... Because that... he was in Taxi as well.
0: Yeah, he's a great actor. I mean, that's what I was going to say, is that you've got all the component parts of a brilliant film, right? But the real kicker that I think made it from you know a a great film that lots of people have seen, to this timeless thing i mean like fucking every year in my area there's like some sort of grease festival i mean i've never attended it because i'm come on i'm a fucking adult but you see well, you're every not knock it are you see every mm. year on a particular day suddenly the whole area is filled with people either with pink ladies jackets or t bird jackets and they all go to some sort mm. of do it's adults go to it and um This shit goes on all over the world. And for me, the key factor was the cast, right? You you could have had any cast. The script was still good. The music's great, all that. But the cast they fucking got, right, was so brilliant. Like, they're so funny. And they get it pitch perfect between it being kind of a serious teen drama, but also really, like, John Travolta in particular, but also what's her name? Rizzo, right? What's her name again? (laughs) Right, they're so fucking funny. Like all of them. Yeah. Kaniki, they're all the, the fucking other members of the T Birds, those fucking dickheads, right? Yeah. <laughs> like... Well, You'll you
1: regularly get people on social media saying, look at this. This man is meant to be playing a teenager in this film. Yeah, he's who clearly gives a
0: 32. Fuck, S- fuck off. St- Stockard Channing, she is fucking Stockard superb Channel, of in course. it. But also the teachers are fucking amazing. Like the, yeah. the, the coach um yeah fucking eugene as well i'm looking at them all now like crater face fucking hell Shasha de de, uh, gregario they're fucking amazing so many grip bits sid Sid, Sid caesar plays coach vince track running long distance running like it's just fucking nonstop brilliant. And I, I've, I've always thought it's like what tips it over the edge from being great to being like legendary is that they had like the best fucking cast who get like, who are so funny all the way through it. Um, yeah. But also just the Bee Gees, that, that, the opening song, which of course is, they're all sort of 50s influenced rock and roll mm. apart from the opening one. Which is by Greece. Frankie Valli. by Frankie Valley. but that's written by written the brothers Gibb, right? It is. I mean, that is the the, it's the in best the song. It's the best song in the soundtrack. Which is saying something because all the songs are good, but that song, if anything, is an underrated fucking banger
1: totally and it starts the film and it knocks you out it's got like that animated opening hasn't yeah it? the animated with opening all, all when I was a on. kid
0: that was my favourite bit because obviously you prefer yeah. cartoons to humans when you're a kid it's, don't you it's it?
1: like the same as the Pink Panther films they always yeah. had the animated opening because it's the Pink Panther from the Saturday tv and cartoons and sat on and the, and the carpet with in, this
0: film. in front of the TV and Grease is on <laughs> and you're like here comes the cartoon bit oh, come on and Grease is on everyone Grease is on And this would have been like in the 80s, years after it came out. It's still my reaction now. My Uh, kids love it. My kids love it. You know, it's just fucking sensational. It is. I feel like I want to watch it now. I feel like I want to do a fucking. Well, it's Easter holidays. My kids are bored. I might suggest later we watch a bit of Greece. Um, You should.
1: Yeah, it's probably on the telly anyway. It's Easter. Is it an Easter film? I don't know. It feels like it
0: is. I mean, John Um, Travolta obviously is like. He's become. Because the old Scientology and whatnot people laugh about john travolta right cuz he did turn weird but those two performances grease and saturday night fever which is actually a much it's a very dark film saturday night fever people yeah. when they think of it they just think of like the iconic dancing scenes and they think oh it's just corny surf. and cheesy but this is like this is like your mate ken loach but doing new york city right <laughs> my mate yeah. It's, it's, it's a gritty film. It's fucking gritty, mm. right? And it's mm. really dark. And there's uh, big themes about male mental health that weren't covered and stuff like that in the time. It's it's, a, it's an amazing film. I'm a huge fan of that film. Completely different to Greece. Yeah, and people sometimes... yeah they don't
1: show that at 7pm on Channel 4 no, on Saturday
0: night, do they? Some, sometimes people lump them in together because they're both John Travolta and they've both got famous soundtracks and John Travolta dances in them. But fuck me, they're yeah. so different. But also, he is a superb actor because he he was in both those films, very different films, very different performances. One was like pure drama, pretty dark, nuanced drama. The other one was like comedy musical. And he's like 10 out of 10 in both of them. So say what you like about Travolta. For me, he's one of the greats of his generation.
1: Yeah, and his second act when he came back, and he did Pulp Fiction and uh, get yeah. shorty
0: and stuff like that. All yeah. oh, great, amazing. Faceoff. People like Face of That like, I'm not so oh, into yeah. that, but people love oh, it. Do you not like Face Off? I do like it. I don't. Some people like <laughs> love it. Like it's their favorite film. I do like it. I might actually rewatch it soon. I do think it's the best premise for a film ever. Yeah. I do, I do think know. that. Like I was telling like um, Len about it recently. I can't remember how it came up, and he went, "What's that about?" Yeah. And I said, "Mate." it's literally about two geezers who swap faces and he was practically crying with laughter. He thought I was on the winder. I went, no, that's what it literally is. One's a goodie and one's a baddie, but they swap faces.
1: <laughs> oh, it's, it's so good. Two fellas. Yeah. Who swap faces, and you've got Travolta and Nicholas Cage I humming know. the shit out of it.
0: It's fucking it's amazing. Thaw, it's oh, talking it's of Nicholas Cage, he's been in a good film that I watched recently. That's very funny. Um, Uh, I'm trying to remember what it's called. It was quite famous last year, I think. The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. And Nick Cage plays himself in it, right? Yes. Is it good? I've not seen it. It's fucking funny. I mean, Nick Cage is amazing. And he's just basically ripping the shit out of himself, you know. Yeah. Um, And uh, as this sort of mad, egotistical actor who feels like his career might be on the slide. (laughs) It's got got strong TFTM vibes because like his career's on the slide and he's got like a tax bill or something. So basically he gets a mysterious offer from his agent from like an eccentric billionaire who's obsessed with him, with the films of Nicolas Cage, and so he just wants to pay him a million dollars to come to his birthday party. Which is the sort of shit that film actors do get offers like that all the time, and nine times out of ten they turn them down
1: that's what Simon Jordan did when he tried to refund yeah, the, the specials yeah. and they weren't having it
0: so 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 he goes because he's desperate and a couple of things happen to him he loses out, and Ross is yeah. like fuck it I'll do it and that's the start of the film he he rocks up at some mysterious island in the middle of nowhere in Europe and he basically this, this guy who's played by that actor who's in everything um, Pedro, Pedro Pascal. Pascal yeah Pedro yeah. Pascal yeah so it's great Sharon Horgan's Sharon if- in it as well
1: i'm looking at it now I'm, yeah it's it's on my list to watch it's good uh because mainly it's one hours 45 minutes long
0: yeah which exactly. is about the sweet spot for it's, a film anything yeah, between
1: 150, 130 150 i'm there yeah exactly I, I,
0: no, i'm i'm t- i'm, t- I'm, t- I'm t- the same if it gets over that i just think nah
1: i'm, I'm gonna watch. i'm gonna watch it i'm gonna watch it this week sometime
0: it's, it's got it's got some but you know it's not like it's got good bits and bad, not bad bits. It's not like relentlessly. Basically, it's Nick. It's the film is all <clears throat> about Nick Cage's performance, but I'm you are into there, that. there are some bits in it where it's like there's a couple of those sort of standout scenes where you're practically crying, laughing.
1: I'm buying into mm. it. I'll have some. It, let's just say, theoretically, fictionally, if this podcast ceased to exist at some point in the future, how much would it take to get us back in a room together in front of some rich cunt? to do a bespoke one-off reunion episode
0: i've long been the- interested in discovering uh just a mild curiosity in who is top flight time machines richest listener that's a it, good question if you yeah. if you believe it might be you then mm. with no obligations whatsoever just get in touch yeah get in touch mm. we won't expect anything from you and um, you needn't expect anything from us necessarily, mm. although we're open to suggestion. No, we're not we're not on the make, but we're interested. And we're not gonna reveal any of it on the podcast. Let's just say if you believe that you might be the richest listener, if you feel that you're in with a chance, you're there or thereabouts. Let's just say if you feel that you're in the top one percent richest listeners, to top like time machine, drop us a line, we and we will talk to you. And by the way, if you're not rich, um, so don't worry, nor are we, and I don't want you to think for a moment that we are going to offer any special privileges to the mm. richer listeners because that would be against our you know, our our, our fundamentally egalitarian values that we mm. both as individuals live by. We're not gonna say, look, if this person's got money, we're gonna do a private podcast for him once a week. <laughs> you know, once a we wouldn't do off. that. No. But we're I interested.
1: Based on information that's in the public domain mm. and private information, I think our richest listener is probably BBC Match of the Day commentator Robin Cowan. Yeah. And that is just based on the fact that she probably earns more than the other commentator, Nigel Adderley.
0: Nigel Adderley's freelance, really- though. He operates, yeah. he oper- I, I would suspect... You think he's and- shrewd? Correct me. I think he's a shrewd operator financially. And I think that he's made some... I would suspect he's made some wide investments over the years. <laughs> you and reckon? And I think that there are tax benefits to being freelance. And he probably... I don't know if this is true, but he probably has a limited company. And that, and that therefore, Robin might be an employee of the BBC. And therefore, she's she could be PAYE.
1: Yeah, but I think BBC... You know, do they pay, they pay top a dollar? Lot more than, Ni- than Nigel's than off doing of the-
0: international stuff and stuff like that for like other broadcasters. He probably, he, for all yeah. we know, he's doing freelance gigs for Middle Eastern, you know, TV channels. Uh, Nigel Adderley, this is Saudi Premier League. We like, we like your voice. We pay whatever you want.
1: There used to be that basement in the Talksport building. Do you remember where, where, where they'd do the go commentary. down there yeah. and they'd do foreign feeds constantly? They, some of them lived down there, yeah, and never saw daylight. Like mole men. They were just they were the they were mole men of Talksport. sport, at, yeah. They commented anything that came in mm. any feed around the world, yeah. I guess New Zealand football, even. Uh, it could be right. It's one of them, too, though. It's got to be one of them, too, as far as we know, unless
0: you're richer than them. The, the commentary um, game. It's a very lucrative business. Oh, very Very lucrative.
1: lucrative. As we saw recently, what is football with their commentators? It's nothing.
0: It's nothing.
1: As we saw during the Linux, I think uh, I've always
0: said commentators in our society, they should be up there with the nurses and the teachers as the best paid and the firemen. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Definitely. Are we looking at this chart or what?
0: Yeah, let's do it.
1: Um, Right well we've got It's full of Grease songs Summer Nights is there at number 7 That had been number 1 John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John Didn't get into the chart till the end of September Which feels weird for a summer song Um, You're the one that I want Is that in there as well still? I can't see where it is. Maybe that I dropped out of the charts. We've also got hopelessly devoted to you, Olivia Newton-John. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. It had all kinds of songs in it as well. It had brilliant ballads.
0: Ballads. Brilliant bop. up-tempo stuff. Boppers. My,
1: my favourite, when mm. I was a kid, of all the songs from Greece was Greased Lightning." Ah, I knew you were
0: going to say that. Because when yeah. you're a kid, that's the best bit. When they go into yeah. the fantasy bit. Of yeah. <laughs> the car and the car's silver. That's that's <laughs> the best bit. When you're a kid, that's the best bit. Of course, when you're older, the best bit is when Char Char Gregorio does her sexy dance at the at, at the <laughs> Very, bop. Yes. That obviously when you're so. at our <laughs> age it's all about that bit. <laughs>
1: that's <laughs> the film, it's got something for everyone.
0: It has, yeah.
1: Jalapeño. jalapeño Uh, yeah that thing where people go but this man's supposed to be playing a teenager look at him he's 32 have you not seen the end have you not seen the bit at the end when the car fucking flies
0: into the sky do you know what that that is Uh, this is like watching a film with my dad in fact note to self (laughs) ask dad let me write this ask dad what he thinks of the film Grease and I'll report back on a future episode (laughs) yeah yeah. I, I'm like always thinking of things like that when I asked him what he thought of magic. I make little notes of yeah. it. Like, um I, I wouldn't
1: seen it, but No, what he'll
0: <laughs> what he'll do is he often historically corrects things about he'll go, Now listen, I was a teenager in that era, and I can tell you that no one would have ever worn a jacket like that. Uh the actual <laughs> style of jacket that people were wearing in that era had a very different shaped <laughs> collar. That's the sort of shit he says.
1: Yeah yeah I don't think uh, I don't think I ever saw a car fly during that time
0: ridiculous <laughs> ludicrous we were in there was a shop there's a shop in Brighton that I used to love when I was a student and it sells mod gear right but mm. it's not vintage it's reproduction stuff right but when I was a when I was a young lad in the 90s Euro 96 I would go in there and I'd chat to the guy and you'd buy fred perry's or what have you and one time i was in brighton with my dad years later when i was in my 30s and the shop's still there it's called jump the gun and i said to him because my dad was a very observant mod in the 60s right he was very best kind yeah it very street like really observant and is like you know he's he's a he's a fantastic source of like sort of cultural history on that stuff but He takes it a bit too seriously because I said, come in this shop. I really like it. It sells all the 60s gear like you used to wear. Well, because it's all reproduction, I took him in there and it was a giant mistake on my part because I should have known. (laughs) I foolishly and naively thought he would approve of this shop and of me for liking this shop. But quite the opposite (laughs) was true. He came in and was immediately angered by the inaccuracy of the reproductions. <laughs> and he, Good. there was one thing that was like, they advertised it as the classic, I can't remember what they call it, but it's a classic style of shirt worn by James, by Sean Connery, I believe in Goldfinger, in a scene when he's by the swimming pool. And it's an um, open neck sort of 60s kind of um, polo shirt, right? And right. they had a picture of Sean Connery wearing it from the film next to their rack of these shirts going... You know, genuine reproduction. It's only a small yeah. shop, and the bloke who runs the shop's a lovely guy. I've known him and chatted to him since I was like a student. He's still there now, and he has. He's one of those guys who's very into clothes. He knows about the details and the history. And he'll, when I was a young bloke, I'd go in and talk to me for a long time back because I was interested in that sort of thing. Well, it was terrible because I have brought my dad in, thinking they'd get on. <laughs> they did not get on. My dad has taken <laughs> one of these shirts off the shelf and loudly explained. To everyone, mainly to me, but it's to everyone who would listen exactly what was wrong with the re- pre- reproduction of, and exactly why it was inaccurate and false advertising for him to suggest that it was anything like the one out of the James Bond film or anything that anyone would have worn in the 60s. And yeah. no one could argue with him because, unlike all of you, I was around in the 60s and I was wearing shirts <laughs> and they were nothing like this. Good
1: day. He said there that they didn't get on. I don't think that's fair because I'm sure the shopman tried his best to get on.
0: Yeah, he tried his best. And I don't think my dad was trying to um, anger or upset the shopman. He felt it, I just wanted to be right. He, he, he wanted to be right and correct. Yeah, he and felt it was his social responsibility yeah, accuracy to tell, to tell yeah. us all that this shop was a fraud and a waste of everyone's time and money and should be closed immediately. <laughs>
1: Brilliant. Uh how did we get out of that? I dunno.
0: But, but we're still talking uh, about Greece. Blondie hanging on the telephone, number nine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I,
0: Blondie I, just course, entering their
1: Imperial fears there.
0: Uh, I interviewed Debbie Harry and what's his right. name? Only last year. Chris Stein. I must have yeah. talked about that on the podcast oh, a podcast quite a lot.
1: Me about it. I don't know if you talked about it you told me about it straight after it happened before. Oh it had yeah, been I was so excited. So
0: I'm still excited now, just Zoom, thinking about it. it. Yeah, yeah, Chris Stein. Debbie Harry and Johnny Marr. Chris Stone's in yeah. New York. Debbie Harry was in her home in New Jersey. And mm. Johnny Marr was in his studio in Manchester. So they were all on home turf. And uh, it was quite it was quite the task for me, even as Britain's best journalist, to wrangle them all into a coherent conversation.
1: I think you said Debbie was struggling with the technology somewhat.
0: She was It was funny because it was one of those Zoom calls that you <laughs> get on and people always struggle with, you know, Debbie Harry is, I don't know, what's in her 70s now? Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. So it was a bit Mid-70s, like being yeah. with
0: your mum, trying to, like, work out mm. the Zoom and the volume and all of that. But she was absolutely charming. They all were, but she in particular... Um, yeah I melted mate I mean you would I'm not you?
1: surprised I was I was rooting for you
0: yeah I asked I,
1: you to leave it switched on in the background so I could be connected in as well but you I, wouldn't do I that did, I did my best
0: I did my best to get through it with my dignity intact yeah and I think I just about managed it
1: yeah good stuff good for you um, what was I going to mention there was something else in here as well
0: Shawaddy uh, Waddy uh, at number five I former was, contestants yeah. in the uh, Top 5 right, Time Hardest Jean group, hardest group think yeah. they only made it to the quarterfinals
1: pretty, pretty in the end. Pretty uh, Solid show anyway track. I was going to mention the Buzzcocks. who were number oh, 37. Yeah. Just because the Buzzcocks are easily the best group to have come out of the punk thing. Uh, out of the, your Sex Pistols, your dams, your jams, your clashes. The Buzzcocks had the tunes. Mm. And melody trumps everything else. And if you're not into the Buzzcocks, if you're not really heard much by them, go and listen to their compilation album Singles Going Steady which has got their first seven chart hits. It doesn't have their first single, Orgasm Addict, on it. Mm. Well maybe it does, actually. Maybe it does. I think it does. It's got the first eight singles, then, and the B-sides on the, on the other side. And they're just all... Every song... All the B-sides sound like singles as well. It's just amazing. The Buzzcocks are brilliant. Um, so that's just a bit of public information yeah. for everybody there. Public service. Um, yes, uh, who else have we got in here? We've got Darts, of course. Who we regularly mention on this podcast? Ben Haggerty,
0: yeah. Um,
1: there's Toast by Street Band, which was oh, Paul, Young's Paul group Young group. Yeah. before he went before he went solo. I absolutely love that song. Toast. Love that song, yeah. Bicycle Race, Fat Bottom Girls, two songs by Queen, mm. which to me demonstrate why they are a ludicrous uh, group. <laughs> but that's just my opinion. That's something I like to... Spouse now and again
0: i always put those Um, songs together because when i think of a bicycle i like to think of a fat bottom girl on it a fat bottom girl on the bicycle Mm. do they
1: not have naked women riding around on bikes on the video
0: out of order
1: exactly didn't feel right then no certainly doesn't feel right now um yeah but both songs awful Mm. awful um do you think i'm sexy by Rod stewart
0: I thought you are asking me. I do think you're sexy. I also think Rod Stewart's sexy. But we can't think about yeah. that without thinking of Kenny Everett doing it, can we, with his slowly inflatable arse? Yeah, Arguably greatest sketch of all time. Certainly up there. Should if be. we ever do a World Cup of, of that, it would certainly be in the contention, wouldn't it?
1: That feels like a good World Cup to do.
0: Best, yeah, it needs best a of sketches research, so. ever. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. Uh What else have we got going on here? Um... Donna Summer MacArthur Park Lovely Which is um, Great song A Jimmy Webb song About um, Someone leaving a cake out In the rain
0: Yeah
1: Which You know You don't get much of that That That's in a different league Altogether too nah, I like to ride do. my bicycle I like to ride my bike mm. uh, Or whatever the lyrics were
0: Blame uh, it on the McQueen. boogie At number 13 that's a banger, isn't it? Yeah, uh, that it's was revived the, uh, in the 80s by, I think Stock Aitken and Waterman got a bunch of lads to do a cover of that, which was a oh, real shame. Fun, yeah. Yeah.
1: One of the low points of Stock Aitken and Waterman's story.
0: Yeah, I didn't big really fun. like that. Uh, Always uh, and Forever, real, a, just, a Rod Temperton, banger.
1: I was going to say, yeah, you've got Rod Temperton who worked with Michael Jackson, and then just one place below when he was still in Heatwave.
0: Did you see um, um, someone tagged me in? I don't know if they tagged you in as well on Instagram of a brilliant thing that I don't think I'd seen before, of Rod Temperton uh, writing the melody for Rock With You. Um, And it's one of those clips from a studio where he's literally humming it out. It's very reminiscent of when you see Paul McCartney writing Get Back in yeah. the Beatles movie where you can literally yeah. see him just humming and fucking around and then slowly the song comes out just
1: channels and the it, song it, isn't it? it's, it's yeah.
0: amazing to see that and I, I think it happens a couple of times in uh, the Beatles film doesn't it? it certainly happens with Get Back is there another one that you see him sort of making up as he goes along there's kind remember. of bits
1: where they where they're just doing fragments of songs, and you're not sure whether they've just made them up on the spot or if they've, they're bits of work in progress. Yeah, and I think there's, there's two or three that have got titles. They didn't actually become um, like Beatles songs. They're just things they're messing around in, and the bit they've been given a title. And there's one of them where Ringo gets a writing credit on it because whenever the titles of the songs come up to you and get back, there's always a writing credit underneath. Oh yeah, and it's usually Lennon McCartney. And it's this one. It's Paul and. Ringo at the piano, and the writing credit is Lennon McCartney Star Starkey, which is Ringo Star. and mm. Ringo's contribution to this this bit of riffing that they do, is just playing the bottom end of the piano. He's just hitting a few of the notes at the bottom end of the piano. Yeah, wow. Lennon's not even in the fucking room. Yeah,
0: and but he he gets he's, a, he's got
1: a, a writing credit because that's yeah, what they do. He's got a deal set up them.
0: with McCartney, yeah. hasn't he? I'm writing even yeah. when I'm not writing, eh? And he taps his nose. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. fucking easy life mate that's, every time that yeah, cunt writes something and let me tell you he doesn't stop writing so I'm, I'm onto a fucking <laughs> winner with him he can't stop the busy cunt that's the thing about Paul he is a busy cunt whereas I I like the easy life once in a while I'll fucking rock up and write a song about a fucking onion or a walrus or some bullshit the kids lap it up but he's there all day writing love songs songs about his dog fucking all sorts of nonsense every time he does it fucking money in old Johnny Boy's pocket, 50%. mate Pays for 50%. the heroin. You know what I mean? <laughs> but this Rod Temperton thing, I can't find it now because I shared it as a story and now it's um, gone again. But you'll oh, find it if you Google stories. it. And what's great is, is that he, um, you know, he's, he's he can't sing at all. He's completely oh, tuneless. Really? So he's wow. doing it. He's playing like whatever he's playing because you can't see, it's not video, there's just an image of him, but you can hear the music sort of taking shape and he's just sort of trying Mm. to work it out with made up words. But he's got this, you know, obviously he was from um, Pleathorps, which is Lincolnshire, right? So I don't know, Mm. but he's got very Northern accent and he's sort of going like this. (laughs) I wanna wanna dance with you. I wanna dance with you all night. Like that, sounds like a bad club singer. Right, but yeah. the track underneath it that is being played, you can tell. Oh my god, this sounds brilliant! And he's just sort mm. of filling in the gaps with like little hums. Mm-hmm, bah, 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 bah. And you know, when you when you hear something taking shape like that in real time, it's uh, it's quite simply spine tingling, mate.
1: <laughs> really, I'll is. try and find that. that sounds yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Um, I reckon we've just about wrung all the juice out of this chart. It's a great chart. it's I'm just been really good doing this one. It.
0: 78 um, is right up there with 95 and 84 as the ones you always want the blob to land on.
1: Yeah, and 79 as well, to be fair. So now was the greatest selling singles year of all time. Really? Everyone went singles mad in
0: 79, well, yeah. I can't, I can't remember if I said this on the previous set, but basically the, the way in which it kind of um, tapped into like my memory like because at three you think you're not sentient but all of these songs mm. had a big emotional impact on me and after we listened to the we did the first episode of this i actually just looked up a best of 78 playlist on spotify and spent a day or yeah. two listening to it and there were songs that i'd forgotten even existed that came back into my fucking nut and almost yeah. shot me back to like yeah that that time and place like um there's a song called uh there's a song by linda ronstadt called blue bayou and it, I, I hadn't right, thought of yeah. it in years. And when I heard it, I was like, <clears throat> I, I couldn't work out why, but I was almost <clears throat> crying. And I had to text my really? mum and say, mum, were you really into a song by Linda Ronstadt called Blue Bay when, when I was little? And she went, oh, yeah, it's one of my all-time favorite songs. I listen to that all the wow. time and it was out. And I hadn't thought about that song. That song hadn't even been in my mind in all those years. So that is amazing, the power of music.
1: Oh, wow. Mm. I couldn't tell you what that one goes like. I don't know that one. You'll recognise it when you hear it. Deep I have thought your of it at
0: all. It was buried deep, yeah. And only by asking my mum did I realise. Yeah, so funny old life in it. Was,
1: one other thing: this this chart this week is the world was about to spin on its axis and change forever mm. this week because at number forty two just outside the top 40 and kind of unknown to most people was yeah. the village people YMCA yeah and then it went to number 25 number 12 number 2 for 3 weeks number 1 for 3 weeks
0: mm. so
1: this was the last time in human history where nobody knew YMCA by the village people yeah
0: and people talk okay, when now. they talk about the mid to late 70s about the pistols and the impact they had but I would say the village people had a much more seismic impact on society and culture than the pistols yeah. ever managed
1: probably yeah and they they did the ymca movement like were good as well so, didn't they
0: yeah we all know that and we then, all like you know we all wear those headdresses native american headdresses did, now for the, the, the police uniform yeah, yeah. sexy or, police and then, officer of course, they
1: moved on they moved on to the navy in the second song in the navy
0: or as my mum sings it? it to this day sexy lady is it sexy lady Oh. Sexy lady, you can sail the seven seas. Sexy lady, <laughs> that's what she—that's how she, she used to sing it around the house like that. And she still won't Brilliant. accept that it's called in the navy.
1: I thought you were going to say she sang in the gravy. No, I
0: think sexy was, lady. Uh, she insists it's that.
1: I think the uh, uh what were they called? The fucking Baron Knights probably did a version oh, of yeah. called in the gravy. But uh, yeah, let's leave 1978 alone. We're we'll going well to do another tune machine at some point soon. We've got some of course it's part of the Tuesday lineup now, so we're due to do a history box or a life logistics next. And then we'll return to the, the world of charts in the future. Thank you very much for listening up. You've enjoyed it and goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>